The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. Thank you for joining Beside Still Waters podcast with Christian Javois. Beside Still Waters is the moment in our day when we seek stillness in God's presence, guidance from the Word of God, and grace to live by faith. This is the moment when we view horizontal living from the divine perspective. For the eyes of Jehovah run to and fro through the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of those whose heart is perfect toward him. Now here's today's message. We hope it will be a blessing. Welcome to Besides Still Waters. We're going to incorporate some learning models for a better understanding of how we ought to walk with God. And so we are taking for our meditation the peril of forgetfulness, the peril of forgetfulness. There are learning and behavior models that categorize the stages that people tend to pass through regarding uh, skills and learning development. We also see these stages played out beautifully in scripture. In fact, years ago, someone capsulated for me this learning model, and it is as follows. There are some that know that they know. These are the experts. They can teach others. They have excellent, if you will, mental muscle memory. Secondly, there are some that don't know that they know. The skills are there, but a determination is needed to keep pushing through to the goal. They are continually learning and growing. Thirdly, there are some that know they don't know. They are always aware of learning gaps, but they are also aware of opportunities for growth And having recognized this, they always realize there is going to be a significant decision point always in the future. And then lastly, there are some that don't know that they don't know. And for these, their thinking and views are riddled with blind spots. They're danger zones of ignorance which permeate the entire landscape of their thinking and behaving. And they're often plagued with an inflated perspective of self. And so we are going to focus on two of these categories. Some that don't know that they know, represented by a man called Jehoiada, and a king whom he mentored, Joash, who represents the some that don't know that they don't know. And so failure to stay on point with our subject of the peril of forgetfulness, failure to cultivate a thankful spirit predicated on recollecting all the good that was done to us, 
often leads to rebellion, cruelty, callousness in our conduct and our manner. This failure to cultivate a, a thankful spirit pervades and influences nations, people groups, families, as well as individuals. Figuratively speaking, it, it ascends as high as heaven <laughs> and it reaches right down to the earth affecting men. And oftentimes it leaves behind us a scorched ground with no evidence of the good enjoyed by the kind hands that were blessings to us in our past and through whom we became recipients of God's grace. And unfortunately, what lies ahead of this unthankful and forgetful mind are potential victims of our calloused and unthankful heart. My friends, forgetfulness breeds contempt for all that would be considered good. And we're going to see, shortly, we're going to see in, these, in the lives of these two men. And it also generates disdain for all that could be used for good and blessing. Our failure, my failure, your failure to recollect what has been good and has been a blessing in our past robs us of the opportunity to express gratitude to God as well as to men. God chose to use Israel as an example of what happens to nations who either walk with God or forget God. They were told that the same experience that the peoples of Canaan would have uh, uh, and would endure as a result of their cup of iniquity now becoming full would be no different for Israel if they chose a similar path. Asaph, in the 78th Psalm, gives instructions. And this was his appeal. Uh, he was attempting to exhort us to selectively give our hearing to what he was about to say, which would be done in the form of parables and riddles uh, that were at that time handed down by the forefathers. And what he is about to do is pass it on to Israel with exhortations to pass it on to their sons and to the generations that would follow. And so this psalm provides uh, uh, if you will, a break point, a crux in the road, a Y, you know, the letter Y with two options in front of you, a Y in the journey, a milestone moment in the life of a nation or in a person. And he creates this contrast throughout this psalm. My friends, nations today are failing morally, starting from the highest seat of government to the lowest level, on the basic street level of our personal lives. It covers uh, the breadth from families all the way to individuals, from husbands to wives to children, and all familial domestic relationships are impacted. There is no exemption. Asaph stated that a testimony was in Jacob, a law was given in Israel, which was to be propagated 
among the children because it sets that generation up for success. And that generation, if successful, would subsequently pass it on to the next generation. And so what was the objective? Well, based on what Asaph is exhorting us, is that each generation might set their hope in God and not forget his works. This is the objective of our times and the objective of their times, that every generation, without thought to the next generation, but that that generation might set their personal hope in God and not forget his works. That's the mandate for you and me. Additionally, the commandments that cover governments right down to individuals, hygiene and diet, manners and all conduct, that this would be adhered to for your personal or national benefit. This is the ultimate goal that the national or personal expectations would be firmly fixed. As the book of Hebrews said, that the anchor of the soul would be within the veil, that our faith would be anchored in a person who is risen from the dead and who is Lord of all, who stands in the most holy place in heaven, that is our Lord Jesus Christ that that generation might set their hope in God and not forget his works. Forgetfulness in the spiritual life breeds weakness, cowardliness, a lack of vision. And this results in a failure to prepare one's race and run one's race successfully. Psalm 78.9 states that the sons of Ephraim, who were skilled military men, ran away on the day of battle. The resulting fearfulness and abdication of their calling resulted from a moral bankruptcy. Verse 10 tells us, that they were disobedient to their covenant relationship with God. And this is important. And the scripture says they refused to walk in his law. Their failure in battle was not a lack of military and martial skill, but the lack of moral fortitude and a heart full of faith in walking with God. The key factor that bred this moral bankruptcy and spiritual anemia is highlighted in verse 11 when the scripture says, they forgot his doings and his marvelous works which he showed them. And the Spirit of God then gives us the end result of this forgetfulness. They turned back in the day of battle. They did not have what it took to perform adequately in a military, military campaign, but we would see later that they did not have what it took to live a morally sound, God-glorifying, people-blessing manner of life. 
they forgot the wonders that were done in Egypt, which were associated with their deliverance. They didn't recollect how they were delivered and what it took to deliver them. They forgot the wonders at the Red Sea. They forgot the day-by-day presence of the living God in the pillar of fire by night and the pillar of cloud by day. They didn't recall or bring to mind the significance of these events and the purpose that God was using in revealing himself in an evidentiary way for their benefit and for the benefit of future generations. They forgot that they were the witnesses of God's glory and they forgot they are the nation through whom the Messiah would come. They forgot all of that. And as a result of this forgetfulness, failure to recollect, to bring it to mind, to think about it, they continued to demonstrate a calloused, unfeeling disposition, not only towards God with whom they entered into a sacred covenant, But with impunity, they displayed moral insensitivity to the presence of the Spirit of God. And in their ignorance and forgetfulness, they amassed judgment to themselves, as is clearly stated in verse 17. This is a red flag of warning to you and me in this 21st century. We have elevated personal rights and personal expression above accountability to God and a mandate to be holy as God is holy. And this reversal of priorities resulting in the elevation of man above God will have future catastrophic results not only for global societies, but it will also lead to the dissolution of the health and well-being of men. Moreover, the influence of Christians will be significantly diminished as many within the churches have elevated a, quote, me-first doctrine, unquote, above the historic apostolic teachings as well as that of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we have forgotten about the indwelling, empowering presence of the Spirit of God. I want to drive this issue closer to the personal level. People forgot, or they often forget, the good that was done for them. And this applied to both pagan and Christian. We forget those who have sacrificed time, time to mentor us, time to provide spiritual encouragement, time to give us guidance and insight. And when these people lose value to us, And when we think within our hearts that they have fulfilled their marginal utility, we cast them aside because we have deemed them to be lacking value now. And we treat them with disinterest and scorn because we have forgotten the good they have invested in our lives. I'm indebted to men now deceased and with the Lord, who invested time 
counsel, encouragement, so much of themselves into my life and ministry. They gave counsel that I deem now as invaluable, which I still to this day continue to apply. In retrospect, I concluded that the reason why they are still held in high esteem in my heart and life is because I'm simply recollecting often the good that they did to me, the good that they invested in my life. And I'm thankful for that. However, this neglect, this forgetfulness that people, Christians, are exhibiting also applies in the marital arena. God may provide a spouse who invests energy and effort to bring significance and blessing evidenced by acts of kindness, words of affirmation, loving gestures. However, because we devalue these commodities, and I consider them to be commodities of blessing (laughs) and goodwill, we begin to treat our spouses with disdain. And subsequently, we marginalize their value and we marginalize their position in our lives. And this eventually opens the door to infidelity because their love is counted as insignificant. We placed higher esteem on a stranger, an unknown person in our social circle, who has made no sacrificial investment in our lives at the expense of the one who has been investing themselves continuously. Relationships with God or with men suffer the disease of neglect due to forgetfulness and ingratitude. We neglect our spiritual walk, our time with God, our time in the Word, our time in meditating on His precepts, His wonders, His judgments, and we occupy much of our thought with trivia. Or we at times take the love relationships that we fostered with Christians, with those who mentored us and are attempting to mentor us, and we relegate them to the arena of insignificant. Their acts of sacrifice are assigned minimal value, and only to find over time, we begin to treat them, as I've said before, with disdain, because we perceive little or no value in their investment. And so Asaph spoke of the generation in Psalm 78 that they degenerated into outright rebellion against God. And he says in the 19th verse, they spoke against God. They said, is God able to prepare a table in the wilderness? This generation's response to all that Jehovah had done back in Egypt and before and after, and through the wilderness journey that they were in. And they demonstrated rank unbelief in suggesting that he was unable to provide for them 
in their wilderness experience. They forgot all that was done previously in rescuing them out of Egypt. And so they assigned, and this is important, they assigned weakness to the God of heaven, which in essence was a blasphemous assertion. They saw the rock that was smitten, gushing out water. And yet, in view of that miracle, they challenged Moses <laughs> to challenge God to provide them bread as well. My friends, this is what ingratitude and forgetfulness breeds in some. It breeds a spirit of rebellion and it breeds abusive actions, both towards God and towards men. But there's a moral lesson here, and the moral lesson is this. There are consequences for forgetfulness and ingratitude. How do we know? Well, the 21st verse tells us clearly, Therefore, Jehovah heard and was wroth, and fire was kindled against Jacob, and anger went up against Israel. Ultimately, the nation suffered as a result of their conduct, which sprung out of an ungrateful heart and out of forgetfulness to ponder the works of God. And when these two elements, negative elements, pervade our national and personal experience, we are inevitably going to sin against God. And as a result of a sinful lifestyle that springs from forgetting the works of God and an unthankful heart, we will invariably offend God, thus bringing judgment on ourselves. On a practical level, we will offend men and we will hurt those that are nearest to us who are in fact worthy of so much honor. And as such, we will lose the value of their investment in our lives and relegate us into a sphere where we are going to make foolish errors in the way we live. Inevitably, upon reflection, we will have seen the error of our ways, but it will be lost <laughs> in a scorched earth of broken relationships. In fact, in the 78th Psalm, from the 30th verse onwards, their calloused hearts prompted them to pursue their own lust. And the anger of God, we are told, went up against them, and he slew the fattest of them and smote down chosen men of Israel. And here we are, alarmed that in the 21st century, our societies are disintegrating before our very eyes, and lawlessness is beginning to pervade, and we are at a loss as to why. Because as a, as a nation, we have forgotten the works and goodness of God, and we have not assigned it to ourselves a measure of accountability to the God and Father 
of our Lord Jesus Christ. And like them, that is Israel in, in, in uh, the 78th Psalm, we will find our days consumed in chasing the wind, as the scripture says, and our years filled with disappointment. Why? Because we have dealt poorly with the people that have invested so much in our lives and in our national history, and we've cast their investment away as worthless. Thus, we open the door for making severe moral and spiritual uh, uh, errors that ultimately will negatively impact the course of our lives, both nationally and personally, and we are, we are beginning to reap the fruit of our forgetfulness. We have been dealing with ingratitude and forgetfulness on a national level, but I want to I turn the corner and I, I, I want to make it personal. Let's examine uh, the life of this king, Joash. This young king, at the time he was seven years old, was mentored by a priest named Jehoiada. And this priest was so influential. In fact, when you read the narrative of, of his life and his working in this young king's life, he was the proxy king. At a very high level, we are told in Second Chronicles the, 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 uh, 20, uh, chapter 23, verses 16 and 17, that Jehoiada made a covenant between himself and all the people and the king that they should be the people of Jehovah. And all the people went into the house of Baal and broke it down, and they broke his altars and his image into pieces and slew Matan, the priest of Baal, before the altars. You see, Jehoiada was, as I mentioned, of one of those four groups, one that didn't know that he knew. He didn't know that he knew. Jehoiada was a man who knew, I don't know everything. But he had a measure of competence and confidence to continue to learn and grow. He focused on what was needed and with determination, perhaps did more by instinct than by conscious knowledge what was right in Jehovah's sight, both in ridding the nation of evil and evil people, as well as establishing righteousness and a walk with God, which was at that time evidence in the keeping of the laws and the commandments, which were critical to Israel's success. Jehoiada was influential in bringing the people back to God and re-establishing a relationship between Jehovah, the God of Israel, and his people. And he was so influential that the second verse of chapter 24 of 2 Chronicles says that Joash the king did what was right in the sight of Jehovah all the days of Jehoiada the priest. The influence was Jehoiada's. The beneficiary was Joash. This man, this priest, invested his life for the good of the people and the good of the king to be a guide, a moral compass, a reminder of the blessing and goodness of Jehovah in the life of the nation. And he lived without complaint, but for the benefit of others. He was so influential <laughs> that the Spirit of God a third time stated in the 14th verse that they offered up burnt offerings in the house of Jehovah continually all the days of Jehoiada. 
So God was magnified. God received glory. And the people became the beneficiaries of this man's commitment to excellence, commitment to walking with God. And this is the watchword of this simple podcast. Besides still waters, walking with God for the glory of God and for the benefit of others. This was a wonderful testimony of the quality and influence of this man, his selfless investment for the good of others. And the capstone of his life is found in the 15th and 16th verses. Jehoiada grew old and was full of days, and he died, and he was 130 years old when he died. And they buried him in the city of David among the kings. Why? Because he had done good in Israel, both toward God and toward his house. That is proof of what it means to walk in the Spirit. People are confused about this and make it all sorts of things that it is not in the scriptures, we should be able to evidence what it means even to a child. What does walking in the Spirit means? It means that God is pleased. Our life is an aroma before the living God, and people become the beneficiaries of our obedience to God. And here it is in the Old Testament, a picture of what it means to walk in the Spirit. They buried him in the city of David among the kings. Why? Because he had done good in Israel both toward God and his house. The people were blessed and God was blessed. But this young king was the last of the four that I mentioned earlier in the beginning of this podcast. He didn't know that he didn't know. This young king, after the death of Jehoiada, was blinded to his own ignorance. And he didn't realize that his entire life was riddled with blind spots. And Jehoiada was the man that filled the gap of these blind spots. And those of you who are listening to this podcast and have driven an automobile for any length of time, you know when learning to drive that there is this phenomenon called a blind spot. And you can't see the blind spot by looking in the side view mirror or in the rear view mirror. You have to look over your shoulder. You have to take a somewhat of a backward look almost. Because that blind spot is small enough to fit a person on a motorcycle and large enough to fit a flatbed trailer. <laughs> It's a blind spot for a reason. And those that don't know that they don't know are perhaps the most dangerous of people in the spiritual life. Because when faced with critical decisions or milestones, they are prone to make critical errors. This king made a significant mistake because his life had blind spots and Jehoiada was the one that filled in the gaps, but he never looked back with thankfulness and recollected how good and what a blessing this man was. In contrast, Jehoiada displayed the necessary leadership and competence and spiritual insight that was critical for the success of his generation, as well as to this young king. 
and the banner over his life, that is Jehoiada's, was that the people knew he was of great value. Sadly, after his death, this same king, Joash, was appealed to by his cohorts <laughs> to forsake Jehovah and serve Baal. And no sooner did Jehoiada die, this king was minded to go the path of rebellion. Why? Because he forgot all the good that this man Jehoiada did for him, and he was unthankful. This again is the moral takeaway. My friends, we are not exempt from judgment when we have taken the good invested in our lives by God and the saints and have cast that spiritual benefit aside, subsequently going the way of rebellion and consequently treating those very people in an undeserving, unkind way. We're not exempt from judgment. We are told in the 18th verse that wrath came upon Judah and Jerusalem for this their trespass. And so when we fail to demonstrate unthankfulness and we forget the good that has been invested in our lives, every one of us are susceptible to making immoral choices which as a consequence, have dire spiritual results and ultimately invokes judgment from God. This is a moral universe and judgment for sin and rebellion are always met with their attending consequences. Always. And it was clear in Joash's case that judgment was already on its way because we are told in the 19th verse that Jehovah sent prophets among them to bring them again to Jehovah and they testified against them, but they, that generation, would not give ear. And so it is needful for you to look at those who are mentoring you and ask yourself if the quality and standards of your life are on par with their spiritual achievement or does it exceed theirs? And if we apply the guidance and practices and incorporate them into our lives, as Paul could say to Timothy, follow me as I follow Christ, then there is an excellent likelihood that we will succeed in our spiritual endeavors. But if our moral and spiritual values and the spiritual expression of our obedience do not bear the marks of holiness, but are substandard to the biblical mandate, then we have truly forgotten the works of God. We have evidently neglected to meditate on his testimonies, his judgment, his deliverances, we have forgotten about answered prayers in our lives and have forgotten all the good that others have invested in our lives. We, therefore, are likely to fail spiritually 
or it may already be obvious that we are failing. Joash sunk to the lowest spiritual place when he murdered the son of the very man that was responsible for his success. He committed this vile act because this man, whose name was Zechariah, Jehoiada's son, said this, Why do you transgress the commandments of Jehovah? And you cannot prosper, for you have forsaken Jehovah, and he has forsaken you. He told them their error. He told them the truth. He gave them a context for their current circumstances by pointing out the results in their lives. The results that they are now beholding are a consequence of forsaking Jehovah, who have consequently forsaken them. And Zechariah, the son of Jehoiada, tied both of these realities, the spiritual reality and the practical reality. He linked them together and he made the connection. And Joash's actions would display his ungrateful, forgetful heart. He was blind to all the good that was done to him by the man who is now deceased who was used of God for immense blessing and benefit. And I ask you, my friends, is this a reflection of your life? Are there people who have continually sought to invest in your life and you have disregarded that investment, subsequently turning away from them, treating them with contempt? The very people who sought to be a blessing. God will hold you accountable for the good that he did in your life through these people, these mentors. The Spirit of God said of Joash in verse 22, And King Joash remembered not the kindness which Jehoiada his father had done, but slew his son. And now for the blind spot. If you recall, I mentioned earlier that there are those who don't know that they don't know. They're riddled with blind spots, danger zones of ignorance, and an inflated perspective of self. The blind spot is this. There are consequences for poor choices. Ignorance is not excused by God. Remember this. The scripture says, Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. And if you don't take that lamp into your hands and take advantage of the light that is provided for you, God will not excuse you for your ignorance. If this king paid attention to the life of Jehoiada, the contents of the law, the testimonies of Jehovah, and his prior works of deliverance, he would have known that there are dire consequences for going after the Baals and the Ashtoreths. There would be dire consequences for idol worship and all the corresponding evils associated with it. And alas, the sins that he ignored, the evils that resided within his blind spot, are the very events that came to pass the same year that he killed the son of his mentor. We are told that the Syrians came up against Judah and killed all his sons and the princes and pillaged them. Add to that, Jehovah used, and this is the insult, a small army to exact a great revenge for the evil that this king did. Jehovah delivered a much greater army into the hands of a smaller army. 
And then lastly, Jehovah struck Joash himself personally. And all of this was done because he slew the, the son of Jehoiada, the priest, casting aside all the good that was done. This contrast of two men, one who realized he didn't know that he knew what was necessary for his times, but he did the best with what he had to work with and continued with determination to do the right thing before God and for the benefit of men. And the other man, Joash, forgot the good done by God through Jehoiada and requited evil for good. This, by the way, is the evidence that is in Jehoiada's life. This is the evidence, as I said before, of the working of the Holy Spirit in your life. This is how you and I can know that the Spirit of God is actually active in my life. We are told in Ephesians uh, chapter 5, verse 1, Be ye therefore imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love, even as Christ loved us and delivered up himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. The evidence of the Holy Spirit working in our lives will always have the same output and outgrowth. That is, we are living purposefully, with intention, to please the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are intending by his grace to put forth a life that brings glory and honor to God. That is the first half of walking in the Spirit. The second half is just as equally important that men, people, become the beneficiaries of our obedience. Just as he said concerning the Lord Jesus, he walked in love, love for us, and delivered up himself for us. But that offering, that sacrifice that was on our behalf was all for the glory of the God and Father whom he loved and lived in close fellowship with. Our Lord Jesus alluded to this very truth when he was questioned by one of the lawyers of his day, when asked, what are the greatest commandments? And the Lord Jesus replied, the first and foremost is this, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And he went on to say, the second is like unto it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And so, my friends, as we endeavor to walk with God beside still waters. Let us purpose in our hearts to live for God's glory and pleasure while simultaneously making men the beneficiaries of that obedience which for us will become the most unmistakable evidences of the filling of the Spirit and the working of the Spirit of God in our lives, that God is glorified and men are blessed. Thank you for joining Besides Still Waters podcast with Christian Javois. Besides Still Waters is the quiet moment in the stillness of God's presence to receive guidance, light, and grace to live by faith. I hope you've been helped and encouraged to press on living for the glory of God. It has been a pleasure and a privilege to connect with you on this podcast. To stay connected, please follow Christian Javois on Facebook, 
Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks for tuning in, and we will see you on the next podcast of Beside Still Waters.